what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. This is our show where we get together at least on a monthly basis. It seems like it's about the schedule we follow, talking about the world of customer service, delivering good customer service to our clients, our customers, our coworkers, anybody we come into contact with in a professional organization. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. Uh, We're a firm that specializes in employee and customer satisfaction surveys and consulting on some of those results. And with me is my co-host and partner on this show, Mr. Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alan. Uh, first time you've ever called me Mister. So, I know. I'm I'm trying to be so all professional, it. trying to trying to step it up a little bit, go for a little higher decorum in the show, if that's okay yes. with you. Before that's we, great. I, I like the tux you're wearing, the tails. Yes. Very, well, very good. I you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to step it up. I'm stepping up my service here in the show as well. And uh, Ed is with Customer Service Solutions, which is a firm specializing in helping organizations maximize their ability to deliver good customer service, both through training and and, uh, consulting, and also even looking at process improvement steps and efforts as well. You can learn more about Customer Service Solutions at cssamerica.com is their website. It's a great source for uh, articles and blog tips and, and just general postings. Great information. And of course, Ed, you're on all the social media avenues that you need to be as well. So you got the whole uh, Facebook page going, I'm sure, the LinkedIn, the Twitter, all that, right? Yep, definitely. Especially uh, especially LinkedIn, Twitter, as well as, you know, obviously, like you say, the podcast, tip of the week, blogs, right. that sort of thing. So you're not doing any uh, Vine videos or the little one second a day videos or anything? Nothing with that really has kind of gotten into your world yet? No, I've tried to avoid Vine just based on what I've heard from other parents of middle schoolers. Uh, so I'm sticking to the more traditional social media, if that's uh, an appropriate way to say. No, it. I think that's a I think that's a smart move. Uh, my kids still kind of freak me out with the things that you can do now, and all the different social media channels. I like to consider myself pretty hip, but I'm I'm getting lost in the shuffle as it is as well. So absolutely. Uh, well, Ed, today I'm really you know I say this about half the time we get together where I say I'm really excited about today's. Topic, but I truly am really excited about today's topic uh, because so does that mean previously you were not truly excited? You were. Uh, I'll let you somewhat partially. Excited? I'll let you go back and try to decipher which ones I might have been faking my enthusiasm for the topic. <laughs> now I enjoy every time we get together, but the topic when you gave it when you gave me the headline topic for this, I said yes, perfect. This is what I can I can I can see us talking about making it easy for employees to say yes, and right away that that says so much to me because I know that in a service firm like mine is, and just like yours is, we find ourselves in situations where it's very easy for people to say no. That's almost sometimes a default position is to say no. And what we're doing is looking at ways that we can make it to where it's easy for the employees to say yes. I'm really anxious to hear your thoughts and ideas on how we, how we make this happen because it is a challenge. I, I know right offhand, it's a challenge to beat down that no mentality that sometimes we get stuck in when trying to serve a client and we're finding it very difficult or impossible to do so. 
Well, you're right, Alan. Making it uh, easy to say yes uh, for the employees and try to get away from this no mentality is so important because if we think about what customers want, customers want you to say yes to their requests, their need, their issue, whatever the case might be. And, you know, we, we could initially look at some of these organizations that are having this great reputation for the customer experience or customer service, maybe it's Zappos. I mean, Zappos has this very customer-focused culture, but the CEO of Zappos uh, virtually has nothing directly to do with those online or telephone interactions with customers. It's their frontline staff that are actually creating those wows. Or you could look at Disney and their magical environment, but the CEO of Disney is not out there on the front lines and Disney World or Disneyland uh, talking to all the, the guests coming in, or maybe even Nordstrom's, you know, this wonderful department store has this yes culture, but the CEO's probably never sold a shoe. So <laughs> when you start thinking about how do we make and get it to the point where our employees can say yes, it is so important for them to have that mentality, them to feel empowered and enabled to provide that. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how can we get employees uh, in uh, this this environment, this culture where it's very easy for them to say yes, to create the wow, to, to deal with that complaint and and address those different uh, issues that, that the customers are bringing to them. Well, Ed, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this and I'm glad you set it up that way because when we hear the idea of trying to get people to say yes, I mean, sometimes I, I run into resistance from people who say, well, you know, uh, you've got customers and clients and sometimes they're asking things that are just unreal, reasonable, or sometimes it's going to be a lot more extra work to get to a yes. And why not just say no? Why not try to be realistic? And why not try to be very, very straightforward with our clients and say, you know what? No, we can't do that. Or we're not going to do that type of thing. But it's just, it, it, it's, I, I think what you're talking about is this more of a culture where employees feel empowered to say yes, not to say that they're going to say yes to everything that comes down the pike, but yeah. feeling like every obstacle is out of their way to give them the clearest path to that yes answer. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And, and I know some of the employees are thinking, well, you know, sometimes you have to say no. And and oftentimes no is the correct, accurate answer, but is it helpful? Mm. And, and in customer service, you want to be helpful. And, and like you were talking about, when you have to enable employees to say yes by removing some of the obstacles, that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we uh, avoid some of those don'ts? and enable employees by doing certain things that help to strip away obstacles, strip away those roadblocks to, to enabling them to say yes to the customer. So we're going to go over four different things that, okay. that leadership can do in order to enable their employees to say yes to the customer. Perfect. Great. Well, let's jump right into it then. Sounds good. What's the first yeah. item that, uh, that we can do? Well, the first thing is when you, when you think about trying to get your employees to feel comfortable saying yes, is you have to make your goals clear. You have to be very clear on what your goals are as an organization, what your mission or purpose is, what your what your vision is. Uh, ensure that those goals obviously include some benefit to the customer. So if you're very clear uh, in what the goals are, what the direction is, then, then employees, when they're making decisions, which oftentimes is when they're having to say yes or no, they're making a decision, that they're much more comfortable in saying yes if they realize this is going to actually help uh, our organization move toward its goal. They can be more decisive. They, they can be a little bit stronger and come more comfortable in saying yes. Well, let, let me go ahead and give you this example, Alan, uh, and we'll use a soccer example uh, in 
I know that we just had the World Cup and and the object in any kind of soccer match is to actually score a goal. It's to actually score more than the other club when you're in any kind of a team competition. But but let's say, for example, that we set up soccer like this. Instead of the rectangular field, it was just a giant round circle. Mm -hmm. There were 15 players. Everybody could just wear whatever they wanted to to wear. Mm -hmm. There were no goals. There were no lines on the field. We just rolled out two or three balls and we said, have at it. So more like rugby. Isn't that how rugby is a little bit? Potentially, but in rugby, even you have uh, a goal line. Oh, that's Uh, true. Yeah, You have two teams with their outfits. You have Mm -hmm. only one ball instead of two or three. So to some extent, yes, it's kind of like rugby. But but let's say you just had it set up like this. 15 people, they're put on a field. You throw out two or three balls, circular field, no lines, no goals. Uh, What do you think would start happening uh, when you started observing that field? I, it just seems like it would kind of devolve into chaos. I mean, I don't know if you would really know quite where, what to go, what to do. You're kind of just fumbling. You think you need to get the ball, but then what do you do with the ball when you get it? So, yeah, it would be a little, exactly. it'll be a little odd. Yeah, there's ambiguity. They're standing around. There's confusion. There's no coordination. Maybe you kick the ball for the sake of kicking. If these were young kids, they'd probably be doing cartwheels, you mm-hmm. know, in the field. Uh, you know, some laying down, taking a nap. So where you have ambiguity. You don't have goals. You don't have people being decisive. They, they don't know how to work together in a coordinated fashion. They don't know what the goal is. They're just kind of floundering. And the same thing can be said for any kind of organization. If you can set a clear goal, clear direction, clear roles, everybody knows what the objective is. It's a lot easier for them to make a decision and to go with whatever that decision is. I see. So putting it back into a customer service situation, somebody's faced with a situation where they're talking with a client or a customer and they're being asked a question when you don't have that clarity of what the organization's goals are and what you're there to do and provide to your clients with the clear certainty, sometimes the easiest default answer is to go back to the no. Exactly. Okay. Or go back to the supervisor or I'm sorry, uh, you know, I don't know, or I can't yeah. help you with that, or it's not in my policy book. So where you have ambiguity, you have uncertain employees, you have indecisiveness. And when you have all those different qualities going on, then you have people who are much more willing to say no because they're afraid to make the bad decision by saying yes. They feel like if they say yes and they were wrong because they weren't clear on what what they're supposed to do, that's going to probably lead to some sort of trouble for them in, inside the organization. So I get exactly. it. I get it. Right. It makes it simple. you got to have those goals really clear. So I, I get it. Very, very good point. All right. What's, uh, what's another point for us? Well, the second deals with policies and procedures, and you want to make sure that you have policies and procedures, obviously, but you don't want them to be so prescriptive that there's no wiggle room. There's uh, no room for change or or maybe a different uh, direction based on a unique circumstance. When you do have policies, you want to make sure you're creating them such that they align with the organizational goals. Uh, When you have procedures, that's fine to have procedures, but uh, you you don't want to make sure that they're going to restrict you from achieving the organizational goals. And one of the organizations that I brought up early on that really has that reputation for having that yes kind of culture is Nordstrom's. And out of their policy manual, I pulled this information. Their policy manual says, we are glad to have you with our company. Our number one goal is to provide outstanding service. Nordstrom's number one rule is your use your good judgment in all situations and there will be no additional rules. <laughs> wow. So if you hear something like that from a policy perspective, uh, what does that restrict you from doing? Or what does that enable you to do? What, what are some of the things that pop to mind, Alan? I mean, it enables you to do a lot, but it also means that I think the organization put in a really good effort to 
make sure they're hiring the right people, the people who are going to exhibit good, their best judgment as well. But, you know, if a client has an issue, it basically says if you feel it's right to do A, B, and C to help rectify that situation, then you are within your right to do so. And nobody can come back to you and say, why did you do that for? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Especially when they say in the policy, our one goal is to provide outstanding yeah. service. So, okay, I'm getting ready to make this decision. Before I make this decision, even though there's not a policy or procedure telling me I should or I shouldn't, is this going to enable me to provide outstanding service to this client? If yes, I can feel very confident. I can be decisive. I can say yes. If not, then I can be very confident in saying, unfortunately, I can't do that, but what I can do is. But in this case, you can feel more empowered to say yes if you know what those overarching goals are, but yet you're, no, you're not so restricted by policy, not so restricted by procedure that you're having to make sure that every method that you use to achieve that goal is done in the perfect manner. I see. So even trying to think about it in a very practical situation for maybe a small business even, I could almost see a, something in a policy or procedure where you say, so you have within this range of whether it's you know, money available in a budget, whether it's um, time available you can use to serve your client if the need be. So in other yes. words, there's some, there's, some, there's some boundaries, but yet they're very wide boundaries. So your policy is there, but it's a very expansive, very adaptable, very flexible policy to give you those, those opportunities. Yes, versus you're not allowed to accept any return after 30 days. Yeah. And here it is, a longtime customer that is trying to return something on the 31st day. Oh, that's so a good example. What do you do at that point? Yeah. So so if the, the spirit of the return policy is understood, there are guidelines there, but it's not so overly prescriptive that you can't deliver – a little bit extra, a little bit above and beyond for that customer, then you really got to question the policies and procedures. I see. So a Nordstrom approach to that would be is that there's not a really a limit on the return policy. It's there again, your best judgment. An employee can use their best judgment and say that, hey, here's some guy out of the blue who's never been a customer of ours in the past, who's coming up and saying, I want to return this. We may need to talk a little more, explore a little bit more, sure. or ask some more questions. But if it's somebody, like you said, we know this is a really long-term client of ours. They've been a good customer, and they want to return something in 60 days, and we feel like it's the right thing to do, we are empowered to do that. Yes, and just to kind of give you a procedural example, since we're talking policy here, um, I was actually interviewed by Human Resource executive magazine, I believe that's what it was called uh, a few years back. And they were wanting to talk to me because there was this uh, automotive repair, primarily a muffler repair organization that wanted to go uh, it, more into the general service uh, industry for vehicles. So they wanted to compete with your Honda dealer, your Ford dealer, your Toyota dealer in the service centers. Mm -hmm. uh, and in order to do that, part of what they realized is they were going to have to give access to customers to their service technicians who are actually working on their cars. Okay. So since they were going to give that access, they decided that they needed to uh, teach their service technicians how to communicate with the customers. So that was a good thing. But the way they ended up teaching them is they gave them very detailed, specific scripts. Mm. And they taught them when the customer asked this specific question, this is your specific response. Right. They went through all this training. They ended up launching this program, and it was an utter failure. Sure. And it was because, granted, the employees knew the script, but the customer didn't. Mm -hmm. And if the customer was asking about something that was a little bit devi deviating from the script, the, the employee didn't know how to handle it because Boy. they hadn't been taught how to think on their own, how to 
how to deal with the situation in broader terms to accomplish organizational goals. And in essence, basically, the procedures were too restrictive and that yes mentality wasn't there. It didn't trust the employee's judgment, which is what the Nordstrom example did. It instead tried to force them down a path, which I'm sorry, you just cannot predict every customer situation you're going to have and have a perfect flow chart of every example and question that you got to give. So, yeah, that's right. So by definition, policies and procedures are restrictions on actions. So every additional restriction is an additional reason for staff to say no. So just got to be careful about the procedures, the policies, making sure they facilitate the yes instead of restrict us into too many no's. Great. Well, I, Perfect. It's all making perfect sense so far, making those goals clear. And then alongside that is your policies and procedures that the employees are aware of and making sure they're not so restrictive that they're actually forcing your employees to go down that no path a lot quicker and easier. So definitely. Well, Ed, if it's okay with you, let's take a quick little break. We'll come back and we'll hit the other two items you said you had to share with us on some ideas for helping it make, making it easy for employees to say yes in situations as opposed to no. Look forward to hearing the next two. We'll be back with stepping up service here in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello again, and welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. Uh, you are listening to the show through The Mesh Network. TheMesh.TV is our website where we have several different online shows. They're called podcasts, if you're familiar with that term. Uh, ongoing shows that we have in a variety of topics ranging from business to education, music to film reviews, sports and discussion, a lot of different opportunities to to download episodes for free of topics you're interested in and subscribing to those shows to make sure you never miss a future episode. Stepping Up Service is our show here that we're on, and we're allowing you to subscribe for free and go online and download old episodes and play them, download them to your device of choice, Take it on the road with you. We're a great companion on trips if you're flying and you need to listen to something on your phone. <laughs> Ed and I love flying. We love joining you on your trip. So take us along with you. Let us uh, talk to you about customer service even when you're out of the office or out of the home. Um, Ed, uh, we'll jump right back into our topic here in just a moment, making it easy sure. for employees to say yes. We'll get back in here in just a moment. Uh, but in general, you know, Ed's with Customer Service Solutions. Again, cssamerica.com is the website there. Anything really uh, exciting going on with you these days, Ed? Anything uh, even personal or professional before we jump back into our topic? Yeah, so uh, I had a dental appointment today. So on the personal side, nothing terribly exciting, <laughs> although that, that did give me a story for the end of our time together. Oh, for your good. Today. Good. Well, I've got a story for the end of our discussion as well. And it's also an event that happened to me earlier today that I already tipped you off on before we started recording, uh, which is why I'm in an awesome mood today because uh, (laughs) my car did get hit by somebody in a parking lot. Uh, So uh, yes, I will get to share my experience with that as well during our stories at the, uh, the end of the episode. So uh, now that we've built up the proper amount of suspense for our listeners on what those stories will be later in the episode, let's jump back into our topic. We're making it easy for employees to say yes, trying to make sure that all the 
barriers are out of the way for that employee to be able to say yes in as many situations as possible to those customers, clients, or coworkers. Ed, we already talked about the first two, making goals clear, having good policies and procedures in place that do, that do not limit the ability to, for the employee to say yes. So let's move into our, 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 our next and final two. What's number three for us? Well, the, these last two, I definitely want to tap your brain a little bit, get your perspective on, because they are leadership-oriented. The third is modeling, where management is actually modeling what they expect of others. And it's not just leaders uh, being seen in front of employees saying yes to the customers, but it's leaders treating their employees in this way as well, where uh, the leaders are finding ways to treat staff special, finding ways to say yes to special requests. And put you on the spot, Alan, you know, as a leader of an organization uh, or multiple organizations in and out of, of the Jackson group uh, and in the community as well, I'm sure there are times when members of these organizations or your employees are asking for a special request. What, what's an example of something special, a little bit out of the ordinary that, that you might uh, receive as a request from an employee? Something out of the ordinary from an employee as a request. Oh, boy, yeah. that's a really good question. Um, and I, I off the top, I was thinking if it's something vacation oriented or mm-hmm. something work wise, you know, work at home oriented or well, you know, we, sure, okay, good, good. I, I got you a couple here. There's a, you know, we have a couple of employees that have uh, talked to us about some working from home on a, on a, a different schedule. We have an employee actually who uh, is a great consultant in our team, and uh, she she lives a good bit away from our headquarters, our main office here in Hickory, North Carolina, and. Uh, it's a situation she's got a young girl at home, uh, you know, especially during the summertime with these uh, darn summer camp schedules that are very chaotic and all. You know, it's a situation where she's come up and asked, hey, is there a way that either I can bring the daughter in or I can work from home to kind of accommodate that? And uh, it's just a request that's been brought up and some different occasions from some different employees. Yeah, and that's one of those situations where if there is something special brought up and they always hear you say no, they always hear the organization turn it down. There's a very structured way where everybody has to be at work at the same facility at the exact time. They have to stay until the exact time. There's no wiggle room. Then that's an environment that's being created uh, where, where no is more frequently heard than yes, where inflexibility is more frequently experienced than flexibility. So the more just within the culture of the organization where the employees experience yes, they hear yes, they feel flexibility, the more likely they are to, to adopt that as the part of the way they do things, the way they make decisions and impart that uh, to the to the customers that they're interacting with. You know, one way I look at it, Ed, is you know, you have a default answer for typical questions or forms. You know, when you fill out something online, sometimes there's a default answer and you have to actually go and manually change it to a different answer. Yes. You take that mentality and if you make the default answer in the organization, no, then it's a harder, more concerted effort. It feels like to make it a yes, Mm -hmm. where if the default answer is a yes, then it's a harder, it's a more intentional thing to actually change that to a no you kind of make that default answer in your organization a yes. Then if there are those rare situations where you have to force a no, at least it's most people are used to it being a yes environment in most cases than not, you know? Yeah. And the more used to it you are, the more comfortable you are, the more confident you are when you're making that decision. So as a leader, uh, you want to make sure you're not preaching something that you won't practice, that you're not instructing on something that you won't reward. So as a leader, if you want it to be a yes environment with employees they, they uh, or with customers, they've got to see you 
as a leader, providing that yes to employees in the appropriate way. And if we're trying to instruct them, train them on how to go about uh, maybe moving people to an alternative when you can't say no in the exact way, but saying yes to the goal in a slightly different way, then you want to make sure we're rewarding people who are somehow getting to yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great call there. So, so modeling as a leader, making sure you're showing what it is you're wanting your employees to resemble and, and, and duplicate to their own relationships they have in the, in the organization. So got it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So if people are seeing leadership say yes, particularly to the staff themselves, they'll be more likely to know how and when to say it how to best use their judgment and how to feel more comfortable in saying yes. And and that actually transitions us to the fourth uh, component of trying to get your employees to, to make it easy on them to say yes. And that's when we get into motivation. Mm, Okay. You know, essentially uh, you want to reward desired behaviors. You want to reward the out of box thinking that, that empowered kind of action. I'll tell you a real quick story um, that I heard a while back and, and, and this is one of these stories that talks about a, a leader of an organization uh, who is around at retirement age. He wasn't quite there yet, near retirement age, but he knew in about a year or so he was going to retire. And he wanted to make sure that the culture of the organization that's very professional, very ethical, you know, very, very well run organization was maintained after he was gone. So he brought all of the, the senior leaders of the organization uh, into a meeting room and they were about four or five. They were all a good 15, 20 minutes younger than him. And he he talked to these executives and he said, in one year, uh, I am going to retire. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this year, I'm going to select who is going to be my successor. And then he put a, a bunch of seeds on the table, literally seeds to grow plants. And he put these seeds on the table in front of these executives. And he said, I'm giving each of you one of these seeds. And whichever one of you grows the most beautiful plant one year from now, you'll be the next CEO of this organization. Well, one of the folks in this organization, uh, and we'll call him Kevin, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin took this seed and he went back and he found this wonderful dirt, miracle Grow, all this great stuff, and asked his wife, who was the gardener in the family, you know, how do we make sure that we set this up to grow this wonderful plant? And she helped him out and they put it in the sun and they watered it and gave it all the food and nothing happened. And mm-hmm. week after week and month after month, nothing grew and they tried everything. And and it was getting to the point where he was worried that, you know, he had just basically killed this plant. You know, he, he had this task to bring in this beautiful plant and nothing was coming out of it. So a year passed and the day came and the the CEO met with these four young executives. And and when Kevin walked into the room, three of the executives were already there and they had these pots of plants sitting on the boardroom table and they were gorgeous. It was flowers and it was leaves and it was two, three feet tall. And then here walks in Kevin with a pot full of dirt. Yeah. Okay. And the CEO looks at Kevin and said, Kevin, what's going on here? And Kevin said, you know, I tried, I nurtured it, I gave it this food, I gave it the sun, I gave it the water, and nothing happened. And the CEO turned to the other three young executives and he said, "Uh, I want to introduce Kevin to you, our next CEO. Mm -hmm. And everybody went, what are you talking about? Kevin brought in a pot of dirt. We brought in these beautiful plants. Mm -hmm. The CEO said, I boiled all those seeds before I gave them to you. They were all dead. None of them would grow. And Kevin was the only one who actually brought me back the seed that I gave him a year ago. Oh, wow. Huh. That is a good story. Yeah. And it was one of these situations where he was the only one ethical. He was the only one doing the right thing. He showed the type of leadership, the type of honesty that this CEO was looking for. 
So you got to make sure you're motivating and rewarding the kind of behaviors that you're looking for. Wow, that's a really good story. It actually gave me an idea, and I'm, I'm talking to Abigail, who's at our desk right now. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say whoever can come help grow my yard and make my <laughs> my lawn look as good as possible in the next several years, uh, I'll consider maybe in the years to come giving them uh, uh, some uh, my, my role in that. So I, I need some help with my yard. So I think that's a yeah, Abigail said she will totally do that. So that's great. No, but I love the story that you just told, Ed, because what that's basically saying is, you know, he's he's looking for someone who's modeling that same uh, that that same mentality that I think he's wanting to make sure everybody else in the organization has. And you know, if you're motivating your employees to to provide this kind of service and to be this kind of person and be this kind of leader in the future, you know, it's, it's only going to spread. I mean, that is only going to spread throughout the organization, but it has to start at the top. Absolutely. So in this case, he was looking for the leader who's professional, did the right thing, ethical. And an organization that wants to get to yes, we have to look for those employees who are making those yes decisions. Now, the yes decisions might not always have the best outcomes. Uh, you know, may, maybe it's something that, that might make it a little bit more difficult internally in the organization to fulfill this need. But if they're making the effort, they're doing the right thing for the right reason, as opposed to just saying no for the sake of no, if they're rewarding those yeses, rewarding those attempts to do things that are going to help the organization move toward its organizational goals to mirror what they've seen in their bosses, then we have to reward the yes to begin creating that culture of yes. Yeah, great. I really do like that. And this is Again, so something I was really emotionally attached to talking about today because nothing discourages me more than organizations that default to that no position. And we see so many of those. I mean, I think we've talked about a lot of them in some of our examples and stories in past episodes where we run into these organizations where you could just tell that employee has been developed and taught that your default answer is no. Yes. And only in certain rare situations do you say yes. <laughs> yes. And we see them. You know them as soon as you get them on the phone, as soon as you walk in the door sometimes. You can just tell when you're in those organizations. And uh, I think the more we can get our employees to know that it's okay to say yes, and actually we want you to say yes. You need to say yes. By saying yes, we actually achieve our goals quicker, easier, and, and better. Uh, it's such an important message to share. Yeah, I totally agree. So, so how do you make it easy to say yes to the customer? You got to make very clear goals. You got to make sure that your policies and procedures aren't so restrictive that you're driving your employees toward the no. Uh, you got to make sure you're modeling the yes, not only in interacting with uh, customers, but as a leader when you're interacting with your employees. And you got to motivate and reward those behaviors that are the yeses that are, are being given to customers because they are going to help the organization live its mission move toward its vision. Perfect. I really like it. Easy, simple to understand, but it all makes great, great sense. So Ed, thanks for all that information. We really appreciate it. And again, I hope people listening to this can really take some of this and and weave it into their organization. Doesn't matter how small or large profit, non-for-profit, anything. I mean, this is all stuff that applies to us all that we can incorporate in some way into our daily routines. So yes. now we already teased a little bit at the midpoint break at about our stories, you know, what we're going to, we always try to end our episode with a customer service story, something we've experienced recently that could be a positive customer experience, could be a negative one. I'm going to go ahead and place my bet. I bet you we're both going for a negative one today. Is that true? 
Mm, no, I went negative last month, so I decided to go positive this month. Okay, so you, you yes. threw me off track with the way you teased teased your story. <laughs> I got the impression it might be a negative story, but I'm very happy to hear it's a positive. Thank Mine you. is technically a both positive and negative, so I think we're okay. gonna we're gonna end on some generally good upbeat notes on things here going forward. So. Um, how about, can I go ahead and go first? Is that okay? Sure, that'd be great. All right. So as I told you before the recording, Ed, uh, I'm having an awesome day uh, as my car was hit in a parking lot earlier today. Uh, I've had plenty of things not go right today. My laptop is messing up all my emails, so I can't really uh. work on email today. A couple of clients and customers are just you know, asking some very interesting challenges, which I normally like. But unfortunately, I just haven't had the time to really devote to them as much as I'd like as well because of all this other stuff going on. So it's been a, it's been a challenging day. Uh, of course, when you, your car gets hit, uh, like mine was in a parking lot today, you immediately it's the whole flurry of, of activity of what do you do, who calls who, who's takes care of what. The person who ran into my car, very, you know, very gracious and just, you know, of course, very accepting of the fact that, yes, this was, this was all my fault. I want to help make it right. Let's get it taken care of. So I got their insurance information. And of course, I have mine. I'm one of those guys where if something goes wrong with my car uh, from a accident standpoint, I'm going to call my insurance company first, whether I was to blame or not, because I just want somebody to tell me what to do next. You know, sure. I need to understand that. So I called my insurance company first and my insurance company quickly got on the phone. It was, okay, let's talk you through what you need to do. Alan, here's what I recommend you do next. You've got a couple options, and we can help you with this option, but if you really want to get this resolved quicker, here's the other option you can go. And it's totally up to you how you want to proceed, but we're ready to support you either way. Sounds great. The guy even's talking to me. Turns out he was a graduate from Lenoirine University here in my oh, you're town. Kidding. No. And wow. when he said, Oh yeah, I've had experience in Hickory before and told me about that. We we talked a little bit, shared some of that information. Just a really nice, pleasant experience. And the funny thing was is I had him on the speakerphone in my car because I was actually driving my son uh, down the interstate quite a ways to a summer camp he's attending this afternoon. And even my son, after we got off the phone, said, Wow, he was really nice. I'm like he was. That was a really good example. So then I had to call the other insurance company, uh, the person, <laughs> the person that, I, that, that hit my car, because that was the advice I was given is that, well, if you call them directly, it'll expedite the whole process and you can just give them your information and then that will really get things going quicker. And it was night and day. It was like I had just called a whole different culture of some sort where everything was a almost like I'm talking to a robot. Uh, it was asking information. It was sometimes having me repeat information, even though they'd already asked me that the first time. And then there was no guidance. It was basically a, well, somebody will be in touch with you soon about this. I said, okay, well, what should I expect? I mean, you know, is somebody going to call me? Do I need to do anything else? They said, well, no, someone's supposed to call you and they'll, they'll tell you what, what's going to happen next. Okay. So when should I expect that call? Uh, it'll be sometime in maybe the next seven, 10 days. Oh, that seems like a pretty wide time, you know, where my car is now banged up and I'd like to get it resolved as quickly as possible. You can just tell that that second insurance company, they have their process, they have their script, they have their, this is what you do. And that's it. Where the first insurance company was very much, 
Let's talk over options. We want to be here to help you out. What else can we help do at this time? Uh, keep us posted. We're going to check in on a couple things here on our end as well. Just a very, just, we want to partner and work with you. So it's just kind of fun for my, my 12 year old kid sitting in the back seat to hear both conversations, uh, one after the other. And when your 12 year old says, wow, that was completely different than the first one. It's like, yes. And that was a great lesson for you to be hearing how happy I was after the first call and now how frustrated I sound after the second call. This is me as a customer, Alex. This is what people go through. And this is why it's important that you deliver really good service the first time. So anyway, like I said, it was a positive and negative in that luckily my insurance company was very, very good to work with, made me feel good about the choice I made. And by all means, there's no chance now I would ever consider the other insurance company if I ever had to look at changing vendors. So they shot themselves in the foot and they probably don't realize it because they're just so used to the routine that they're putting their clients through. So, yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, just as an aside, I think it's wonderful that your uh, uh, son is so empathetic and understanding of, of what the situation was and how those situations feel, even though they're not the one on the call. They're just kind of mm-hmm. sitting back and observing. Yeah, uh, you know that they can that they can actually see the differences right off the bat between, you know, positive and negative. And yet you probably had two uh, customer service reps, you know, 25, 35, 40 year old people. And in the company that provided the the poor service, I'm sure the CEOs, 40, 50, 60 years old. And obviously on the negative company, they couldn't see what your 12 year old son could see in, in terms of what the experience was really like. Yeah. No, I, I, I've gotten to the point, actually, it's been since we've even started the show where I try my best if I know I'm going to be calling somebody either with a customer service complaint or I need a resolution to something or we're having to go through a process. I think it's really important for kids to kind of hear those encounters, not only from a knowledge of just to know how things work and how things need to get done sometimes, but also to kind of hear that was a good experience here's a not so good experience. What's the difference? And how does that how's that going to help you in the future with whatever career you get into? I think it's important. You know, I really do. So yeah, I agree. My daughter, she's 14. And sometimes we'll leave, whether it's a restaurant, a grocery store, you know, a, a hardware store, something like that, where there was bad experience or just phenomenal. And she'll look at me. And when she gives me <laughs> that look, I know that she realizes something happened. So yeah. instead of me saying, well, this was bad, or this was good. I said, I'll say, you know, what went on there? What what did you see? And she'll explain what happened. Then I'll say, well, what do you think she should have done or that employee should have done? And she'll explain it to me. And I, of course, love it. You know, oh, being absolutely. In this field. I love the fact that she's getting a little bit uh, more analytical about these things. She understands the difference between right and wrong, good and bad service. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when she gets into the working world, uh, you know, she'll, she'll adopt more of those positive qualities. Absolutely. I think it's an important thing for kids at that age to start hearing and understanding a little bit more too. Perfect. Uh, So what's your, what's your story? You're going to end this on a decent uh, positive note, right? Yes. Despite it being a dental story, uh, this is going to be positive. I think that was what was tipped me off to thinking (laughs) it was going to be negative because normally you think uh, cable company, you think cell phone companies, you think some other, uh, and dentist, I always kind of have that. It's probably going to be a a little less than positive experience, but no, I'm glad to hear this is going to be a positive one. Yeah, and one of the reasons why it's going to be positive is that this dental customer service story has nothing to do with the actual appointment. Okay. Yes, about two weeks before my appointment, which I had this morning, mm-hmm. uh, I received a confirmation email, very nice email, uh, saying, looking forward to seeing you at this date, at this time, at this office, this location. 
Uh, and there was a confirmation button that for whatever reason I didn't press where I could have confirmed. Uh, then uh, a week ago, I received a similar email again, inviting me to or, or welcoming me to the upcoming appointment. I assume if I had confirmed in the prior email, I would not have gotten this second reminder. Uh, yesterday, I got a text from them, just a very pleasant, looking forward to seeing you at this particular time for your dental appointment. And then I set my next appointment after my appointment today. I set my next appointment for six months down the road. I not only got a card uh, with the date and time listed on it as I was walking away, but when I got back to my office about an hour later, I got an email uh, just reiterating that appointment. So mm -hmm. the, the crux of this particular story is that sometimes the, the best customer service doesn't necessarily require us to be face-to-face -face on the phone with an employee. Sometimes it is those touch points that occur between the interaction so that the relationship doesn't go stale, so that the customer's expectations are very clear, just as you were complaining that that second insurance company wasn't clear on their expectations. Mm -hmm. It's the reminders. It's looking forward to you. And I know the reason why they're doing it is they want you to show up because there's a space to fill. Sure. That's a large part of it. But it also came across in such a way that it conveyed that they care. It managed my expectations. I showed up at the right time, and that helped me from a planning perspective in case I hadn't put it on my calendar. So sometimes great customer service is in those between meeting, between visit, between shopping experiences where the organization just continues to touch base, uh, convey that they appreciate your business and, and is constantly setting or resetting expectations. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up a good point about it. Yes, down deep, there is a logistical operational reason for them to give those kind of reminders because if they have a dentist sitting around waiting for an appointment and the person doesn't show up, that's some time that they could have filled with another patient. However, I think it's important that, to extend on that because in so many cases, delivering that great customer service by doing things like reminders and taking one extra to-do item off of your customer's list where they don't have to go and remind themselves about it or make their own reminders, you're going to provide it for them. Yes, it may be something you're doing to help your bottom line a little bit more, but it's also helping the customer too because if you missed an appointment or you didn't set yourself a reminder – and then all of a sudden you got to call and make it up. And now you've got to reschedule and you got to throw things off a little bit more. It is impacting you as well as a, as a customer. So I think it's a two-way street. Some yes. of the best customer service ideas are ones that affect and positively impact both sides uh, to, to get stronger. So I think that's a good example of one. So. Yeah. so happy to end on a positive. I think last month it was negative. We want to end on the warm and fuzzies. So uh, glad we could end that way. Yeah. And other than you bringing up the World Cup, you know, uh, overall we stayed pretty positive without dipping in any kind of to me sports stories. We had plenty we could have covered. Uh, I'm still a little frustrated with my boy PJ Harrison, and I don't claim him as a Tar Heel anymore. He is on his own. He is a grown adult. He is out there making his own decisions. Um, you know, of course, he got drafted by uh, he, got drafted, he got drafted. He got drafted. Well, he got traded to the Hornets after getting drafted, and uh, oh. I think that was going to be a good move. Now I think everybody's starting to kind of wonder if that really was a good move or not. Yes. So we got LeBron going back to Cleveland. So. Oh, a lot of a lot of sports news that I kind of process and digest here going into the weekend. So, well, the good news is you have sports podcasts, correct? Yes, we do. Uh, starting up this fall, we'll definitely be getting back into uh, with some ACC sports, and uh, as we get into some basketball and football again, the NFL season when it starts back up, and uh, we do our fantasy football shows. So, always a lot of fun with all those. Uh, sports time in the fall is normally a very very popular time for podcasting on our end. So, we're looking forward to that. 
Uh, Great. Well, Ed, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it as always. This has been Stepping Up Service. Uh, Ed Gagnon is with Customer Service Solutions, an expert company in the field of helping your organization improve and, and strengthen the customer service it provides through things like uh, helping with operations, coaching, consulting, uh, training opportunities. But I really do encourage you more than anything else, visit the website, cssamerica.com. Uh, to f- subscribe to his email notes and also read his blog post on just good, helpful information you can already be using at your organization right away. And then my name is Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. You can learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com, where we talk about employee satisfaction and engagement surveys, customer satisfaction surveys, patient surveys we administer uh, for organizations around the nation as well. Ed, we'll look forward to talking to you next time when we get together. Sounds great. All right, great. Take care, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.